Well, shalom everyone, shalom alechem, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started and talk for a few minutes on what we have been talking about following through Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlag's, may his memory be for a blessing, his introductions, just we've covered his introduction to the Holy Zohar, now we're just looking at his introduction to the Ten Svirot, and uh, which he will begin to explain more and more. But if you remember, just as a way to refresh ourselves very quickly, he started out and talked about uh, all the objections that people have, all the questions they have about uh, studying the level of Kabbalah, uh, the soul level of interpretation of the Torah, the inner wisdom of the Torah, whatever, or the inner dimension of the Torah, whatever we want to word we want to ta- use to describe it. And basically, there's just so much ignorance out there about everything. And that was one of Rabbi Ashlag's tasks that he set for himself, was to try to remove a great level of the ignorance concerning this wisdom that is found in the Torah. And uh, so he's been bringing us along, and, and we we began to look at the last time we were together, where we were going through these different ways of how to come to the point where our will to receive for ourself alone, our self-centeredness, our ego-centeredness, uh, begins to be transformed into a will to receive in order to give benefit to others, in order to please Hashem. And, uh, and he, was, he was just introducing us to the idea of, uh, of, let me find my place here quickly, begin introducing us to the idea <coughs> Excuse me. On the ways to do this, and he finished with this thought, where where we cannot exempt ourselves from responsibility, uh, responsibility either for uh, the fact that we have an evil inclination, and the evil inclination forces us to sin, or it compels us to to do this or to do that. That that is actually not an exemption. That's that's actually not an excuse. Kind of like ignorance of the law of of is also not an excuse, but we can't exempt ourselves from the responsibility of coming of 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 working on this will to receive for ourselves alone, of of learning Torah and it becoming such a part of us and drawing to ourselves the inside light that is in the Torah, which is really what begins to transform us. So we can't exempt ourselves by saying, "Well, I can't do it because my evil inclination won't let me do it." Uh, and I'm just a I'm just a sinner, and I don't have any choice but to be a sinner, and there's just nothing I can do about it, no matter what, and all of those things. As the sages tell us, there are no exceptions to this rule, and as they tell us, Hashem created the evil inclination, but He also created the Torah as its antidote, as its medicine, and there just aren't any exceptions to this rule. And He talked about an argument that Job actually makes in the Book of Job. And he said, if that were so, then Job's argument would stand, and absolutely God forbid that that's the case. Now, that sort of, in a, in a roundabout way, brings us back to where we, were, where we were studying, what we were doing. And now, what he wants to do is to move Rabbi Chaim Vital. Rabbi Chaim Vital was the main disciple of Rabbi Yitzhak Luria. You'll also hear him called the Ari. Okay, which means the divine Rabbi Yitzhak. It also means a lion in Hebrew, but this is his acronym. 
uh, A-R-I, or Aleph Resh Yud in Hebrew. So the Ari, the lion. And we, also, we all often call him the Ari Zal, with a Zion and a Lamed on the end, because this means may his memory be for a blessing. Okay, Zikrono Livracha. And so the Arizal, Rabbi Chaim Vital, in the, in the Arizal, we haven't talked about him a whole lot, but he really and truly, oh, he was something else. Uh, he really gave us a an easier way to actually understand the the teaching of the Zohar uh, and concerning the the ten Sfirot, concerning all the different universes, concerning the way Hashem created the universe. Uh, concerning the providence of God, all of those things. He gave us a much, I think, easier way. And Rabbi Chaim Vital, now like like many, many rabbis, the Arizal himself didn't write anything down. He wrote down a few so- uh, songs, actually, that he wrote. But he didn't really write down the main things from his teaching. That was left, like so many of, of the great rabbis who actually, they just didn't live long enough with us. Uh, the Arizal died very, very young. And as many, many of the other, I'm thinking also of the Ramchal also, who died very, very young. And so many of the rabbis died that, that were great sages, died at a young age for some reason. Rabbi Nachman also is another one who died, uh, unfortunately, from tuberculosis, a terrible death uh, at a young age. And anyway, he died very young. He didn't have the time to actually sit down and write everything down. He was teaching nonstop for the few years that we had him. And Rabbi Chaim Vital is his number one disciple who actually wrote down and, and condensed for us the teachings of the great Arizal. So, he wants to move to Rabbi Chaim Vital's work, a, a saying that he makes, in Rabbi Vital's introduction uh, to the Sha'ar HaHakdamot. Uh, he says, and this saying that he makes perplexes many people. So tonight, basically, what we're going to do is, is we're going to work through this saying, and Rabbi Ashlag is going to find a lot of difficulties with this saying. Uh, but, and the reason I want to do it this way is that the way he's laid it out in his introduction to the study of the tense he wrote in his book is because uh, it's, a practice, <laughs> it's a practice for us. It's an example for us and a practice for us so that we, we begin to actually be able to learn how to rabbinically, from the wisdom of the rabbis, from the wisdom of the oral Torah, how to, how to take a saying, how to take a, a teaching from some particular sage and begin to really critically think about it and begin to break it down and begin to understand that that sage's words are extremely precise, precision is the key to understand, really understanding and working in any rabbinic literature uh, from the sages of Israel. Okay? So let's just let Rabbi Ashlag take us through it and see what happens. Alright? First he says, he says, by everything that we've, we talked about the last time we were together and how one can exempt oneself from the responsibility, the responsibility to Hashem uh, on the grounds that one's evil inclination compels a person, he says, by that, he says, we're able to remove a large allegation against these following words of Rabbi Chaim Vital. And let's listen to Rabbi Vital's words. Okay? I'll read the whole thing. I only have bits and pieces of it here on the, on the screen. He says, a man should not say, I will go and I will practice Kabbalah before I practice the Torah of the Mishnah 
and the Talmud. For the rabbis have already said, no one should study Kabbalah if they have not already filled their belly with Mishnah and Talmud. And this would be like being a soul without a body. In other words, studying Kabbalah without any groundwork in the Mishnah and the Talmud and the Bible. This would be like a soul without a body, lacking any contact with this without a body, lacking any contact with this physical world. A person, we're still quoting Rabbi Vital, a person is not fully incarnate until he becomes involved at the physical level with the mitzvot, with the commandments of the Torah. But now he says something amazing. But the opposite, the opposite of what I, everything he's just said, the opposite is also true. If someone studies Mishnah and Talmud without also spending time in studying the innermost aspects of Torah, meaning the level of Kabbalah, and its secrets, then he is like a body which is sitting in darkness, which lacks a human soul. Because the human soul, he says, is the light of God that shines within. And what happens, Rabbi uh, uh, Haim Vital goes on and says, the body becomes dry because it is not taking from Torah, which is the source of life. Therefore, he says, now listen closely, and then we're going to pick all of this apart, the whole saying. Therefore, a student who wishes to practice Torah for its own sake. Now, remember what our definition of for its own sake means. In order to please God for no other reason, just to please Him. Just to please our Father who is in heaven. And that He gave us this for that reason. So, a student who wishes to practice Torah for its own sake needs to start, Rabbi Vital says, by occupying himself with Bible and with Mishnah uh, and the Talmud, meaning also the Oral Torah. So we need to occupy ourselves with the written Torah and the Oral Torah, absorbing, he says, from that as much as his intellect can gather. Afterwards, then he should turn to the practice of Kabbalah and come to know, and I really stress the know, his creator through it, in the way that King David commanded his son Solomon, and this is found in First Chronicles 28.9, where David tells Solomon, Know the Lord your father and serve him. Now, Rabbi Chaim Vital goes on. He says, But if the student finds that the study of Talmud, meaning the oral, the oral tradition as found in Mishnah and Gemara in the Talmud, is burdensome, and it is hard for him, then it is best that he leave it and turn to the practice in the study of the true wisdom, which is the Kabbalah. And this, he says, is what is meant by the passage in the Talmud, and it's in uh, Chulin 24a, where the sages state, if a student of Torah does not see a sign of blessing in his studies after five years, then he never will. Let me read that again from the Talmud. If a student of Torah does not see a sign of blessing in his studies after five years, then he never will. Now Rabbi Vital goes on and says, However, everyone who does put their focus on the study of Kabbalah 
should also spend a small portion of the day studying halakha, okay, meaning the way we do it. In other words, how to keep the, how to really keep the Torah practically in our life. Halakha, the law, and practice and practicing. He says answering practical questions, meaning well, everybody understands. Surely all of us understand what that means because if you are Torah observant. Even even on the level of B'nai Noach, uh, just just doing the seven, if you are Torah observant, you find that those seven branch out into absolutely every area of your life. I've seen different listings from different rabbis. I've seen some where the seven turn into 70. But the, the deal is, is no matter what commandments are incumbent upon us or obligated upon us, those commandments apply to all areas of our life, whether it's the seven for Menai Noach or the 613 for the Jewish people. It doesn't matter. Everything we have to figure out, how do we, how do we keep that commandment practically? How does it, what is, and that's really what halakha is. How do we practically do it? Okay? So Rabbi Chaim Vital is saying, even if you have moved to the study of Torah, or the study of Kabbalah, you still should spend a small portion of the day studying halakha and practice answering practical questions. Now, that ends the quote of Rabbi Chaim Vital. Let's move on to what Rabbi Ashlag, who now wants to take that and analyze it and begin to pick it apart. And the very first thing he says is these are some surprising words. The words of Rabbi Chaim Vital here, he says, are very surprising. So let's see what he says. He says that a student who has not yet succeeded in learning revealed Torah. Now, revealed Torah, what is this? Revealed Torah is the Torah, written Torah, and the halakha that goes with it. Okay? So, so it's really, basically, what he is talking about is written Torah, oral Torah, in the area of Mishnah and Gemara, Talmud. So who has not yet succeeded, he says, in learning revealed Torah, such as the Talmud, that they should go and study the Kabbalah. He says, but wait a minute. <laughs> this contradicts what he, what he said earlier. He said earlier that the wisdom of Kabbalah without the revealed Torah is like a soul without a body because it has no relation to the physical world of activity. So Rabbi Ashlag is <laughs> very surprised at this saying from, uh, from Rabbi Chaim Vital. Now he goes on and he says, The proof that Rabbi Chaim Vital brings from the Talmud about a student who has not seen a transformation in himself after five years of study. Remember what they said. In the Talmud it says, If a student of Torah does not see a sign of blessing in his studies after five years, then he never will. This is interesting. So he says, This proof from the Talmud about a student who has not seen a transformation in himself, and already we know really what that transformation is. That's what the sign of blessing is. It's this transformation of the will to receive for oneself alone. He said, after five year, if, if we don't see this transformation after five years of study, he said, That's, that proof that he brings is even more surprising to me. He said, surely the sages of the Talmud did not intend that a person should give up studying Talmud altogether. What they actually intended was to caution the student to re-examine his ways 
and possibly consider studying under another teacher, or consider changing whatever tractate of the Talmud that he is studying. And they certainly, Rabbi Ashlag tells us, they certainly did not mean that he should give up those studies completely. Okay? So he's surprised on two counts here of this thing that uh, Rabbi Chaim Vital said. Let's see if the other one is going to come up. Maybe I didn't punch it hard enough. Okay. Now we go. Now, Rabbi Ashlag is obviously not through with this saying yet because now he says there's another difficulty here. So there's another difficulty in Rabbi Chaim Vital's understanding of the passage, he says, that he quotes from the Talmud. That passage, he says, seems to suggest that a person needs a degree of preparation or maybe even some kind of special talent in order to attain the wisdom of Torah. But he said, but surely, and now he's going to quote from, from the, uh, the Midrash Rabbah, I, th- I believe on, uh, on uh, the book of Devarim, this Midrash, where it says, The sages have said, The Holy One, blessed is He, said to Yisrael, By your life, all this wisdom and all this Torah is easy. Any in, how is it easy? Listen. Anyone who fears to be separate from me, to be separated from me, who is fearing not to, not to be attached to me, not to be even one with me, Anyone who fears that and practices the words of Torah, that person will find all the wisdom and all the Torah in his own heart. In his heart. So, Rabbi Ashlag concludes here on this idea. So, in fact, he says, obviously, we do not require any prior excellence. Just by the virtue of being afraid to be separated from God and by carrying out the mitzvot, we can come to merit. We can come to actually a place where we get all the wisdom of the Torah. So he's already he's, he's set up a, a number of difficulties here already. He wants to go now to back to the words of Rabbi Chaim Vital. And so he says we have to pay very close attention. And I'm telling you, what he's going over now is this just doesn't apply to the words of Rabbi Chaim Vital. And I, I hate to be a nudnik with you and just keep, you know, there's certain things that I just jump on all the time. But this is just one of them, just a drill <laughs> that we need to drill over and over and over again on the precision of the language. And that we have to pay very, very close attention to the, to the actual words, okay? So he says, if we pay close attention to the words of, of Rabbi Vital, they become as clear as a blue sky because he wrote that if one is not succeeding in his studies of revealed Torah, like the Talmud, he should instead turn his hand to the study of Kabbalah. By the term, quote, not succeeding, unquote, Rabbi Chaim Vital does not intend, he says, an intellectual understanding or even some level of expertise. But rather he means that thing that we discussed above in the explanation of the phrase, I created the evil inclination, and I created the Torah as its antidote or as its medicine. That is to say, now he's going to give us further explanation, that although the person is studying and laboring in the revealed Torah, meaning the written and the oral Torah, nevertheless, he finds that his evil urge, his evil inclination, his yetzer hara, 
or even his will to receive for himself alone, whatever term we want to use, the, the Yetzer Hara, it is still active within him in all of its force. And it hasn't even softened. It has not softened at all. He finds, Rabbi Ashlag goes on, he finds that he still has sinful thoughts. Just as Rashi described above in his explanation of I created the evil inclination, which we looked at last, last time we were together, and I created the Torah as its antidote. So Rabbi Chaim Vital, he says, advises a person in such a situation to leave off his study of revealed Torah, mean, meaning Talmud and Mishnah, and, try, and, and trying to come to things in this way, and to turn immediately to the study of Kabbalah. Why? Because he says it is easier through the practice and the effort of the study of Kabbalah to draw to oneself, to the student himself, the illumination which is inherent in the Torah than it is, he says, through labor and hard work in revealed Torah. Now, he, he's, going to, he's going to enlighten us a little more. Let's move on. And he says the reason is actually very simple. He says the wisdom of the revealed Torah, the Talmud, is clothed in external physical garments. It deals with issues like stealing, robbery, lying, cheating, uh, damages, and the, li- and, and the like, Rabbi Ashlag says. And for that reason, he says it's very difficult for anyone, anyone who is working just in those areas of revealed Torah, which have to do with all of these commandments concerning all of these different areas in the physical world. So it's very difficult, he says, for anyone to keep his or her heart pure and focused only upon God. You see, you remember? You remember what's what Rabbi Chaim Vital says? He says, to come to the study of the Torah for what reason? For its own sake. To study Torah for its own sake. This is what Rabbi Shalag is trying to say. <coughs> Excuse me. That it's very difficult if we're just dealing with with the do this, don't do that, and do this and don't do that, and do this and don't do that, and don't do that and don't do that and don't do that either. He's, and he's not making fun of the mitzvot in any shape, form, or fashion. Absolutely not. He is just saying the mitzvot of the Torah are dealing mainly, they are clothed on our level of understanding, they are clothed in physical garments. And, and if that's the case, then if we are just dealing with the physical, the physical garment, the physical clothing, then it's very difficult to keep our focus upon what? Upon Talmud Torah Lishma, study of Torah and doing Torah for its own sake. In other words, in, in order just to please Hashem. It's sometimes difficult for our, to, us to keep our focus on God. And we have to do that in order to draw to ourself, or herself, the light of the Torah while they are learning this material, he says, and it's just difficult. This is even more so, he says, for a person who finds the study itself very difficult. How is he or she meant to remember God during, during this kind of study, he says, when the subject matter pertains only to the physical world? How can, can, can the student possibly keep their intention directed at all times towards God when dealing with strictly material matters? Okay, 
He goes on. Therefore, Rabbi Chaim Vital counsels Torah students that are having that problem to occupy themselves with the wisdom of the Kabbalah because this wisdom is entirely clothed in the names of God. What he is saying here is extremely important. The wisdom of Kabbalah, he says, is entirely clothed in the names of God, in the names of Hashem. So naturally, he says, just it's a natural thing that the student is now able to direct their mind, his or her mind, and their heart towards God during study without effort. And even though the subject matter, he's not saying the subject matter of Kabbalah is not extremely difficult, it is. But he says, even though the subject matter is extremely difficult, nevertheless, because this wisdom and Hashem are one, it becomes it becomes a simple matter. Okay, are we, are, are we still following? Well, I, I hope we're still following uh, of what Rabbi Ashmag is trying to show us. He takes a very difficult and a very surprising saying from Rabbi Chaim Vital. He begins to pick apart the difficulties with it. And then he begins to tell us, and he's going to further tell us, he's not through yet, but he begins to start to show us what Rabbi Chaim Vital is actually saying. If we have not had a transformation of the will to receive for ourselves alone in the study of practical Torah, of Halakha, of Talmud, of the mitzvot as they apply in this physical world, if we have not had that transformation, then we are still in the process of studying and doing Torah only for what we're going to get out of it. If we haven't had that transformation in five years, and we're going to see that in a minute that another rabbi shortens it to three years, then we need to incorporate also, we have to try some other kind of tactic. That's what he's going to tell us. And we, and we have to move to this area. I, in my own personal teaching classes for so many years, and even in my own personal life and life of study of Torah, I see the truth of his words. When we move to this area, and that's one of the reasons that I'm trying to make this presentation uh, for Noahide Nations, because when we move to this area of understanding, when we begin to see the inner wisdom of Torah, we begin to do what? We begin to actually change the way that we think. And when we begin to change the way that we think, and, and all of our thoughts, thoughts then become more, much more centered upon God, and much more wanting to please him, wanting to do it for for his sake, for to in order to make uh, to please him, and in order to give benefit to other people, then all of a sudden our keeping of the mitzvot takes on an entirely different meaning. It takes on an entirely different level, and it's it's so much more meaningful. It's absolutely so much more meaningful. Okay, let's continue with Rabbi Ashlag's explanation. Okay, let's see. Let me get us on the right page here. Here, here we go. Now he wants to talk about this idea of five years and, and everything. Okay? He says, now, after his explanation here, we can see that the quotation of uh we can see that the quotation that Rabbi Chaim Vital brings from the Talmud, that quotation, if a student has not seen any transformation in himself or has not seen this sign of blessing after five years of learning. He will not see it in the future. We can understand, he says, why that's entirely appropriate. The reason, he says, as to why the student did not see a good sign in his or her learning is only because of the student's 
lack of intention. He's doing it for the wrong reason. It's still self-centered. It's for what I'm going to get out of it. Okay? And it's not on the level of for its own sake. So, he says, it's because of the student's lack of intention. But it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with talent. It's not due to a lack of talent. He says the inner wisdom of Torah does not require talent. That's one of the that's that's one of his famous statements. That a person can't say, "Oh, I don't, you know, that that person over there, he has such a mind and he's able to focus and he's able to do this and he, and he can do it, but I can't do it. I can't correct myself. I can't I can't get with it. I can't do it. No way." Well, this is the same thing of showing the excuse that uh, Job was using that Eov was using, that uh, was corrected. In other words, because of the evil inclination, I just can't do it. We forget. This is not an excuse. Why? Because Hashem gave to us the Torah as an antidote for it, as a medicine for it. So that's the key. Okay, let's go on. So he says, The inner wisdom of Torah does not require talent. But, as we have said, he said in the quotation from the sages, The Holy One, blessed is He, said to Israel, by your life, all the wisdom and all the Torah is easy. I really encourage us to start to think of it that way. Because uh, even students, even students who have really begun to correct and, and transform their will to receive for themselves alone and really begin to study, uh, study Torah uh, and, and study Kabbalah for its own sake in order to please Hashem, even then, sometimes they, they don't think it's easy. But if we will, will just convince ourselves, which means we have to increase our emunah, we have to increase our faith, we have to increase our belief. Hashem is telling us, all of it is easy. All the Torah is easy. Anyone who fears being separate from me, and I don't know about you, but I fear this very much, and not that we shouldn't live in some life of fear. I'm not trying to tell you that either. That's that's making Gehinom, Gehinom already here on the earth. So it's not that you have to live in some kind of fear. But that this should be a matter of concern, of great concern to us. To be separate from him. So he says, anyone who fears being separate from me and practices the words of Torah, they will find all the wisdom and all the Torah in his heart. That's that's an amazing statement that is in this Midrash. Okay, so let's go on with this idea on the five years. He says, however, one has to give the process time during which one can accustom oneself to the light within the Torah and the mitzvot. The question is, how much time? He says, that's the question. One might think, he says, you know, if we're just thinking on our own natural level, figuring it out for ourselves, that the process could take all the 70 years of one's life or more. All, all of one's life to come to this, okay, to, to, to uh, accustom oneself to the light that is inside the Torah and inside all of the commandments that can actually transform us. Therefore, he says, the Talmud, the sages of the Talmud, they come to warn us not to wait longer than five years. And Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yossi, Yossi of the, of the Talmud says that just three years is enough. He says don't wait any longer than three years. That's certainly, he says, enough, uh, sufficient to merit 
to the wisdom of the Torah. If the person did not see any sign of transformation in themselves within that period of time, then he or she, Rabbi Ashlag informs us, he or she should not delude themselves with vain hopes that they're going to get it. Now again, he's talking about, what is he talking about? He's talking about if you are studying just written Torah and, and, and the Talmud, okay, and if you haven't seen just from the Torah as it is clothed in earthly garments, physical garments of do and don't do, and how to do it and how not to do it, if you don't come to this transformation of the will to receive for yourself alone, in that period of time, the majority of the sages say five years, uh, Rav Yossi says no longer than three years, then the idea is you better try something else. You need to try another tactic because this is not going to be successful for you. He says a person shouldn't delude himself with vain hopes. Rather, he or she should know that they are very unlikely ever to achieve a transformation through this approach. And by the way, see, <laughs> this is, I, well, I'm, you know, sometimes in this class, I, uh, poor y'all, I, I, uh, I, 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 I'm not griping at you, but I'm, I'm griping about experiences sometimes that I have in other classes because it's extremely frustrating to me sometimes to, uh, to uh, deal with people in, uh, in obviously in, in the study of just the written in, in uh, Torah and the explanations is given in the Mishnah and the Gemara in the Talmud, uh, dealing strictly just with the practical earthly, earthy issues that the Torah deals with because it's clothed in those garments on those levels of interpretation. Uh, and I see that I follow this advice of Rabbi Ashlag that after, uh, or of Rabbi Yossi after three years, or as Hazal state after five years. And so if I haven't seen uh, evidence to me that the people have a sign of blessing from this or they've had some kind of transformation, then I begin to try to move them to this area of study to try this, to try another tactic. And it's uh, very frustrating to me that sometimes just to move a person, <laughs> into the level of study in Kabbalah because they've heard from somebody, you know, oh, the Kabbalah, that's witchcraft, or oh, the Kabbalah, that's a cult, and, and all this stuff. So that, that they're totally ignorant of what it is, and they resist moving to it. Uh, now, some people take it up, wow, and it just works for them absolutely perfectly and moves them completely into this, into this area, and, the, and transformations occur right and left. But act, unfortunately, they're the minority, uh, the majority resist it, uh, either out of ignorance, but more often than not, it's because when we move to this level of study, something unbelievable happens. We actually begin to know that God holds us responsible for everything that we think and everything that we say and everything that we do. It has an effect. It just doesn't fly out into the air and disappear. It's all connected to all levels of the universe, and it's going to have an effect, and, and many times it's going to come right back to you as what we call midah keneged midah, measure for measure, and uh, all of those things. And people don't want that level of responsibility. They don't want to be held responsible. The deal is, is God holds them responsible anyway. It's, it, uh, and, and I don't know why they resist it so much, but uh, what can we say? Anyway, let's just keep doing with Rabbi Ashlag what we're doing in the few minutes that we have left. Let's get a little farther.
with this idea. Okay, he says, so the question is how much time? No longer than five years. Rabbi Yosea says no longer than three years. And then we have to try another tactic. He said they're unlikely to ever achieve a transformation through that approach. Therefore, without wasting, Rabbi Oshelag again says, without wasting any more time, the student should try another tactic through which they may come to merit the practice of Torah again for its own sake in order to please Hashem without any self-interest involved and to merit the wisdom of Torah. The Talmud, he says, itself does not explain to us, it doesn't tell us, what this other way might be, but it does warn the person not to simply sit and wait. Let's move here. Not to simply sit and wait in their present situation. So, what is the tactic? Rabbi uh, Chaim Vital tells us that the best tactic, the surest tactic, is for the person to become involved in the wisdom of Kabbalah, and to leave, actually leave off studying Talmud completely for the time being, okay? I want to put it that way. To leave studying, because no way Rabbi Chaim Vital is, is denigrating the study of Talmud. He is just saying that study, if it has not brought you to this inner wisdom, if it has not brought you to, to the practice in the study of Torah for its own sake, then leave it off, move immediately to the wisdom of Kabbalah, and the student should put all of his or her energies into the study of Kabbalah. And he says, and it's a guaranteed thing. If they'll do it, the student will certainly succeed in this. It will, it will be a success. And I can also bear witness to that. Uh, in, in, uh, very, in every one I know that has, that has moved with me and began this area of study and accepted it, it's, it's been a success every time. Now, he says, it is important to point out that Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Chaim Vital is not suggesting that a person should renounce the study of the revealed Torah, especially inasmuch as it pertains to practical halakha. Now, listen to what he says. He says, uh, we, have to, we have to know the practical halakha. We have to know how to do the mitzvah. We have to know what to do it in the... In the, in the uh, all the intricacies of every situation, we absolutely have to know because he says it's said, an ignorant person cannot be a pious person. It's just impossible. And then he quotes two other passages coming from Ecclesiastes 9.18 where he says, an inadvertent error, now this is actually coming from Talmud, an inadvertent error may cause a person to make a deliberate error. Okay? And then from Ecclesiastes 9.18 it says, and even an inadvertent error may nevertheless incur a loss of much benefit. So we have to know how to live correctly in, in the practical halakha. All right? That's the idea. So, he says, everyone is therefore required to review practical halakha, to know how to do it, so that they won't make any mistakes in practice. So, he says, we can see that Rabbi Chaim Vital, in his remarks is not talking about, he's not talking about the study of practical halakha. He is referring, rather, to, a, to the systematic study of Talmud for its inner wisdom. A person must be sure that they can deal with practical issues in halakha, as Rabbi Chaim Vital makes very clear. And the aspect of studying that he is suggesting that we give up 
under these circumstances, in other words, of studying for five years or studying for three years, he says, under these circumstances is the realm of theory that does not come into practice. And under these circumstances, he says, then it is permissible for a person to learn halakha from the compendia of laws, in other words, uh, and, and not from the sources themselves. Okay, so far, like, uh, it's, it's acceptable to go to the Shulchan Aruch of, uh, of Rabbi Yosef Cairo uh, to, to learn what the halakha is in a certain area instead of going all the way to the Talmud and searching and finding and figuring out what the halakha is from there uh, through Talmud study. But, he says, one has to be very careful with this. However, as you cannot compare, now this is also a beautiful rabbinic idea, you cannot compare someone who has a profound knowledge of the source, in other words, the source that the, of the sage who, uh, or sages who made the halakha itself in the source material. So you can't compare someone who has a profound knowledge of the source material of halakha to someone who only knows it from a summary or an anthology or, or a rabbi who is just summarizing in this situation, this is what you do and and, and you're not actually seeing it in the source itself. Okay? Now, he, he goes on, he says, he says, it was in order. Let me check my time real quick. Okay, we have a few minutes. Let's stay, let's stay together for a few minutes longer until I find a good spot to, uh, to make a landing. Okay? So he says, it was in order to be sure not to mislead anyone that Rabbi Chaim Vital makes the point right at the very beginning of his words that... The soul requires contact with the body. And how, how does that happen? The way that contact with the body happens with the soul, he says, he says it occurs in the practical keeping of the mitzvot, the practical work of the commandments, of following, following the commandments and doing them in our life. All right? Now, let's get one more thing he wants to talk about here. And uh, let me see exactly where we are. Okay, yeah, I didn't get much farther in this in my preparation. So let's, let's let him uh, talk to us for just a few minutes here because it's kind of a burr under Rabbi Ashlog's saddle. <laughs> he, says, now, he says, now after we've done all this introduction here and understanding of what it, what it takes and what it means to come to the study and the practice of Torah for its own sake... He said, now we can actually see how all the questions that we listed at the very beginning of this introduction, he says, they are actually completely empty of worth. <laughs> They're made by people who don't know anything about Kabbalah and who don't know anything about even what it means to come to the study of Talmud Torah Lishma for its own sake. Okay? He said... They, those questions are all actually snares that are laid by the evil inclination in an attempt to hunt and capture pure souls in order to harass them and to entrap them in a world where there is no delight, where there's no fun, where it's not a joy to live with God every day, where, there's not, where it's not a joy to seek Him and be attached to Him. Uh, in a world where there is no delight. Let's let him explain a couple of them, uh, okay? In the time we have left, let's take just, uh, let's take about ten minutes, and then we'll stop. He said, you'll re actually remember that the very first question that people ask is, 
Why can't I simply observe the whole Torah without any knowledge of Kabbalah? To such people, I say, on the contrary, if you are able to fulfill the study of Torah and to practice the mitzvot in full for its own sake, only in order to give pleasure to the Creator, then you really do not have to learn Kabbalah. You're doing it. For it is said about you that the soul, he says, of the man will teach him, quoting from the sages, then the secrets, and actually quoting from the Bible, I'm sorry, then the secrets of Torah will be revealed to you like a spring overflowing with water without your needing any help from, from a teacher or from books. Okay? If you're able to do that, if you can do it, and, and he's actually not saying that there aren't people who aren't able to do that. If you're able to fulfill the study of Torah and to practice mitzvot in full for its own sake, then you don't need it. But, Rabbi Ashlag goes on, if you are still involved in Torah in a way that is not for its own sake, and we remember, if that's the case, the Torah, can, instead of being the elixir of life, it can become literally a drug of death. So he says, if you are still involved in Torah in a way that is not for its own sake, and your hope is to be able to practice it for its own sake, then I have to ask you, how many years have you been studying like this? If you have been studying for less than five years, according to the first opinion in the Talmud, or less than three years, according to Rav Yossi, then you should still wait, and you should still hope to see this transformation in yourself. But if you have been involved in learning Talmud not for its own sake, in learning Torah not for its own sake, for more than three years according to Rav Yossi, or for more than five years according to the, to the first opinion in the Talmud, then the Talmud itself, the sages of the, of the Talmud itself warn you that you will never see the transformation you are looking for if you continue on your present path. So Rabbi Ashlag asks a question. He says, why waste your life? Why waste your life in pursuing a false hope when you have a sure and a handy tactic, that is to study the wisdom of the Kabbalah? He says, which as I have shown you over and over again, it is one with God himself. Now he says, let's come to grips with the second objection that is raised by many people that, that he mentioned at the beginning of this introduction, which was this. People say that before beginning to study Kabbalah, a person must first have filled his belly with the study of Talmud and Halakha. This is certainly the case, he says, in everyone's opinion. If you have already merited to learn Torah, again, it's for its own sake. If you have learned, merited to learn Torah for its own sake, or if you are still within the first three or five years of studying uh, revealed Torah, However, he says, if you have been studying for more than this time period and you have not progressed with your inner work, you are unchanged. Then the Talmud itself cautions you that you may never see the transformation that you are looking for and you should definitely change to study Kabbalah, to studying Kabbalah. Now, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to end with this note here. We're going to pick back up here because we need to go back over this. And I, unfortunately, I didn't make a slide, but I'll have it for you next week, uh, Bezrat Hashem. He says, we all need to know that there are actually two parts to Kabbalah, okay? Two parts. The first part is what is called Sitre, Sitre Torah, which means secrets of the Torah. 
And that part of the Torah is actually forbidden to be revealed except by way of hints, of remez, of, of a hint by a master Kabbalist to one student at a time, by the way, a one-on-one -on -one basis, face-to-face -face basis, to one, to one student who, at a time who has acquired an advanced level of understanding. That category, the category of Sitre Torah, includes what's called Masse Merkava, which means the, work, the wisdom or really the workings of the chariot. And, it's, and, and the key to understanding it is actually the, the vision of Ezekiel, the chariot that Ezekiel the prophet sees. And also what is called Masse Breshit, which means the workings of creation or the wisdom of creation. The sages uh, of the Zohar designate this part of Kabbalah as relating to the first three Sfirot, you know, which are Keter, Hokmah, and Binah. It's also called the head of the spiritual entity. The second level of Kabbalah, and I promise we'll start here again because I know I'm going through this and we're not all catching it and I don't have it on the screen even. So we'll start here again. But the second level in Kabbalah is known as is what's called Tame Torah, which uh, can be understood reasons of the Torah. Tame literally means, Ta'am literally means a taste, okay? Uh, but it's a word that's used, uh, especially in Mishnaic Hebrew, uh, to, to mean a reason. Alright, so Tame Torah, the taste of the Torah, are the reasons of Torah. Rabbi Ashlag says, not only is it permitted to reveal this level, the Tame Torah, the tastes, or the reasons, it is an extremely meritorious act to do so. And you remember in previous studies we saw that beautiful letter from the Baal Shem Tov, and that's what it's talking about, that uh, his Kabbalah that needed to be revealed to all the world and taught to all the world before the Mashiach will come and it has to do with the tastes of Torah or the reasons of Torah he says it is known in the Zohar as the seven lower spherot are the body instead of the head of the spiritual entity the body of the spiritual entity okay let's stop right there and, uh, and, and pick back up we'll go back over that because now he is going to really begin to to talk some about the Sfirot, and he's going to talk about spiritual entities and how every spiritual entity possesses these ten Sfirot, uh, these ten emanations, these ten attributes, and uh, which are very important. And we'll begin to to see see how it all begins to fit together. Anyway, I hope what we got tonight. What I hope what we got tonight is that all of these objections. To the to the to the study of Kabbalah to to Kabbalistic study actually are answered in the in the Talmud itself, and uh, if we read the Talmud correctly and understand it correctly, it's actually telling us that if we have not come to the place where we are studying and doing Torah not for what we're going to get out of it, but in order to please Hashem for its own sake. If we haven't reached that transformation, then we need to move to this level of study because it's all one with Hashem. It's all entirely made up of His names, as Rabbi Ashkenaz says. And then we begin to change the way we think. We change the way, our foc uh, the way we focus on things. We get the focus off of ourselves. We get the focus upon the Torah and the focus upon Hashem. And it makes all the difference in the world. We'd never leave off doing the Halakha. We, of course, and absolutely, we don't leave off doing the mitzvot and keeping the commandments and doing exactly what God advises us to do. We take his advice. 
but now we're doing it on an entirely different level and this is what we're after this is what we are wanting in order to come closer to him that's always really our objective to come closer to him in order to do what for our own benefit actually no in order to please him because he wants us to come close to him he desires it he he wants teshuvah he wants our return to him absolutely okay all right I'm not sure. I will be with you next week for sure. And then after that, I think it's the second Wednesday. So I won't be with you. And uh, we're going to try to finish. Uh, I, I know I'm not going to finish this study in the allotted time that I have because I, I do too many other things, chase too many rabbits, do this, do that, which I hope everything's beneficial, even, even though I don't stay on the schedule like I should. But anyway, we may have a slight scheduling problem because of uh, I have a lot of work to do actually beginning in the middle of June with uh, Rob Richmond from the Temple Institute in Jerusalem uh, on some tours and then we have the the Noahide conference at the end of June and then I will be in the, in the land of Israel for most of the month of July so we we may have to make a few scheduling changes but I'll get with Ray and we'll get it posted exactly how we'll do it and anyway and I hate to do that because it's not it's not a good thing for us uh, in in this series of studies. But if we do have to make a, a hiatus like that, don't forget what we have learned so far, and really and truly keep these keep these ideas in your head. Uh, and I don't mean to preach at you, but keep these ideas in your head, and really begin to change the way you think, and 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 really begin to focus on Hashem and pleasing Him, and uh, and changing this will to receive that we have for ourself alone okay all right appreciate you enough that's plenty more than i should have done and uh i'll see you next week with god's help and talk to you next week and we'll continue with rabbi ashlog he has a lot of cool things to tell us and uh i look forward to it being very very much so uh so we'll be together next week bezrat hashem with 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 hashem's help and uh if he wills it so so i'll see you then until then shalom uvraka to you peace and a blessing bye-bye shalom shalom